Good morning. We're so excited about our new series that we're starting. I tell you, personally, I've never been as excited as I am about this series because over the years, I've had people tell me time and time again how they really want to have church and, and have the good time and the good feelings, but they don't want to talk about theology. But the reality is we can't talk about Jesus without talking about theology. Now, the title of our series is, Who Does He Think Slash Know He Is? And we're going to talk about who Jesus tells us that He is. Jesus tells us over and over again who He is. He explained to the disciples. He explained to the Pharisees. He, he was constantly telling people who He was. And so we want to understand and know Jesus. We want to understand and know who He is. Now, the four Gospels, they all have a different reason and purpose for why they wrote. Now, we're going to be looking into the Gospel of John. And John says this about his purpose. He says, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing... You may have eternal life. That's why John wrote. Everything he put into his book was to point to us to Jesus so we could believe in who Jesus is and by believing have eternal life. And so today we're going to be looking at a passage that really is the the crux of everything Jesus said. He's going to come in. He's going to talk to the Pharisees in a way that they understand exactly what he's saying But what he's saying, they don't like. And so today we're looking at John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. Now, before we get there, I want to give you some background as to what's leading up to this. This is about six or eight months prior to Jesus being crucified. So he's now spent three years, three and a half years of ministry, telling people who he was, developing the disciples, getting ready to be crucified and move on. But over and over again, we hear him say, we hear him say to his mother in John chapter two, my time has not yet come. And so leading up to this passage in John chapter seven, the first part of that, that chapter, his brothers say, hey, man, we're going up to the feast going up to Jerusalem, now would be a good time for you to come to the feast and tell everybody who you are so that they can believe in you. Again, John's purpose sounds like a a, a good idea, right? But Jesus says, I'm not going because my time has not yet come. See, over and over again, we need to understand that Jesus was in control of his schedule and in control of the events that led up to what we celebrated last week, and that was the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And so as he's beginning to build this, he now, he tells his brothers, I'm not coming, but then later on he kind of sneaks in. He comes to the town, and some different events happen, and he begins to explain to people who he is. He does a lot of public ministry. People are beginning to, to follow him. Some of the leaders, the scribes and Pharisees are beginning to follow him. Some of them are fighting with each other and saying, hey, there's no way this guy's who he says he is. The crowds are getting excited about who he is. And then we come to chapter 8. And in chapter 8, he begins to really tick off the, the Pharisees. His goal in this is to get them more and more ready to crucify him. As he's talking in the temple one day, 
they send a, a group of people to arrest him. But he's not arrested. He shares with them. And then in chapter 8, he begins to talk about how we have freedom. And they say, well, we're not, we're not slaves. What are you talking about freedom? We're, we're sons of Abraham. We're not, for, we're not slaves. And he says, well, anyone who sins is a slave of sin. And he said, you have followed the, the way that your father lived. And they go, well, our father was Abraham. What do you mean by that? And he goes, no, your father was the devil. Now, that's a good way to win friends and influence people. You know, your father was the devil. Well, that's, that's you know, that's going to tick some people off. And they go, well, what do you mean? And so they begin to call his, his paternity into question. If you remember... They have a whole story of a young woman who says, I was a virgin, but I got pregnant. <laughs> and I had this baby without being with a man. And they're going, your, your mother, all these people, you're not, you're not even qualified to say what you're saying. And so they call him then, they call him a Samaritan and a demon. Let's look at the passage in John chapter 8. Verses 48 through, through 59. It says this, the Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not speak of my own glory. There's one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, what Jesus is saying here, we need to understand because we're in the United States, we don't live in a shame-honor culture. We live in a guilt-innocence culture. That's why we talk about sin being you're guilty of your sin. You need to have that penalty paid. You need to be forgiven and justified. And that's a biblical concept, but also biblically, there's the idea that we bring shame and honor to, to God. And so they're saying, you're shameful. You're a Samaritan and a demon. And he says, you're not shaming me. You're shaming my father. In most cultures in the world, if I say something bad about you, I'm saying something bad about your whole family. And so that's what they're saying here. You're a Samaritan and a demon. And he's saying, you are shaming my father in heaven. And he says, I'm not seeking my own glory, but the father in heaven seeks it. But then he makes a statement. He says, if you believe this, you will not see death. And they're going, you've lost your mind. I mean, everybody we've ever known has died. They go on to say, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself out to be? There's the question. You know, we, when we ask that question, who do you think you are? We're asking, what gives you the right to say that to me? Do you think you're smarter than I am? You really have no reason for being able to say that to me. And that's the whole point of our, our topic. Our title for this series is, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? But we're really changing it to, Who Does He Know He Is? But the Pharisees here say, Who do you think you are? You're saying we don't die. Abraham died. The prophets died. Who, who are you making yourself out to be? They're very ticked off at this point in time. And he says this, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. 
I know him. And if I were to say to you, I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Again, Jesus is not out to win these guys as his friends. He's saying, you know, basically, you don't know God. I know him. You don't know him. And because of that, you need to understand that you're not keeping my word. But he says, Abraham knew him. And Abraham saw my day. Now remember, Jesus is, this is about 30 A.D., maybe 32, 33 A.D. Abraham's been dead a long time. And he's saying, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And so it doesn't go over well with the Pharisees. They say this to him. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Now, that's a scary thought. They're saying, you know, look, you're, who do you think you are? Again, you're not even 50 years old. That you're not 50 years old has two different ideas behind it. One is you're not old enough to be talking to us this way. You haven't earned the right to talk to us like this. Plus, if you're not yet 50 years old, how on earth did Abraham see your day? You weren't around when he was here. He's not around now. How does he see your day? Then we come to what is the, the key verse in what he's saying. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, there's two different verbs there. One is before Abraham came into existence, before Abraham was born. The idea being that there was a time when Abraham didn't exist and there was a time when Abraham did exist, just like you and I. There was a time we did not exist. There was a time we were conceived, we were born, and now we exist. But Jesus says before Abraham existed, I am. Now that doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't even make sense in English. You know, if we look at that grammatically, we would go, that doesn't, we can't use that as a sentence. But what he's saying here is he is claiming the name of God. Remember, we've talked about in the past, the capital L-O-R-D in the scriptures, that that being the name of God. When Moses meets with God in Exodus chapter 3 at the burning bush, God says, he says, well, who do I tell them is sending me? He says, tell them, I am has sent you. So when Jesus says this, it doesn't pass the Pharisees. They understand and know exactly what he's saying. He is saying to the Pharisees, he's saying to you and I, I am God. Now, that is not going to go over well. You can say just about anything else. He could even say he was a demon and they would have been okay. But to say that he is God, now they are very upset and they pick up stones to kill him. But it says he hid himself and left the temple. Now, again, by, by him hiding himself and leaving the temple, them not killing him right there, it again shows that he's in control of what's going on. He is now setting up the, situ- the situation. When we get to the last week of his life, the very first thing he does when he gets to Jerusalem is go into the temple and wipe out the tables and tick everybody off. Because he's now orchestrating the events to lead up to his crucifixion. So here he's saying, I want you to understand and know exactly who I am. I am, I am. I am God. 
And so now he's telling us something about himself. And, and I've heard people over the years say, well, you know, Jesus was a good man, or he was a good teacher, or he's a good example, all those different things. And that cannot be true. Because if Jesus was just a good teacher, do you have good, if you have a good teacher and you know they're lying to you, are they a good teacher? No. If he says he's, he's God and he's not, he's lying and therefore he's not a good teacher. Or, you know, if he, if he really thinks that and he's not, he's, he's crazy. You know, C.S. Lewis said he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord. And so the idea here is he's, he's, he's nuts. If he's not who he says he is, he's nuts. But we know that he is the Lord because he said it, because he proved it, because he lived it. Jesus Christ is God. That's what we're seeing in his understanding and his statement here. Now, what does that mean? What does a relationship with Jesus mean? It means two things. One, it means intimacy with God. Think about that for a minute. Intimacy with the God of the universe. Knowing Him. John 17.3 says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's knowing God. As we get to understand and we, we have a relationship with Jesus, we have a relationship with God the Father, the creator of the universe, an intimate personal relationship with Him. And the second thing is it brings eternal life. Now, that eternal life we always think of when we die, that we, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to live eternally. But as John 17.3 says, this is eternal life, knowing God. Eternal life begins the minute we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. We accept who He is, we, we trust Him, we lean on Him. So, as we think about that, I want us to think, because I've had people say, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I can't believe in something I don't see. Well, if anything else, the last several weeks have proven to us that that's not true. If you don't believe what you can't see, why are you staying in your house? You're staying in your house because someone has told you there's a virus floating around that can make you sick and possibly even kill you. You can't see that virus. You can't see the germs that are passed from one person to the next to carry that virus. All you know is that someone has told you it's there and you're trusting in that. You're believing the people who know so that you can survive. Well, if Jesus is the God of the universe, like he says he is, and he tells you that you need to have a relationship with me, there needs to be a, a, a work, I mean, this eternal life with me, then we need to believe him. We can't see it. We can't understand everything about it. But we trust and we lean in him. He says, you know, the most famous verse in the scriptures is John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know who said that? Jesus said it. You know who wrote it down? John. Why did John write? So that you may believe in Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing have life in his name. So this is what we're trying to say. This is what we're going to learn as we learn more and more about who Jesus is. You know what? In the 1800s, People believed that germs like the coronavirus 
just spontaneously generated. They had no concept of germs being spread from one person to the next. It was the idea that just all of a sudden, this germ came out of nowhere and made people sick. Then Louis Pasteur came along and said, no, what you need to understand is every surface you touch, everything you eat, the air you breathe, there's living organisms being passed around there. And just like we see with the coronavirus, there's this, this idea that there's something hidden, something we can't see, that is, is reality. And so we can't see God. We can't sit and talk to Him and Him talk back for the most part. But we need to understand that He's there. We trust and believe because of what the Scripture says. So what my question for you is, would you like to know Him? Now, you may already know Him. I don't know. I don't know who all is watching this video. But if you don't know Christ, it's very easy for you to understand and know what it means to follow Him. Because Jesus said it in John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You can believe and trust what Jesus has done for you. The Scripture says that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. I love you and I would love to see you come to a relationship with Christ, but I wouldn't send my children to die for you. But God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die in your place. That you could believe in Him. You know, that this belief, I remember when my daughter was little and I was teaching her to swim. And I said, Tabitha, do you trust that Daddy will catch you if you jump into the pool? Oh yeah, I trust it. I said, well then jump. No, nope, not going to do it. I said, well, then you really don't believe that I'll catch you. Yeah, I do believe you'll catch me. Then jump. She wouldn't jump. It's the same idea. It's not just saying in our heads that we believe this to be true about what Christ accomplished for us. We're saying we believe it enough to jump. We believe it enough to surrender our life to Him, to say, I can only rely on what Christ did for me. And because of that, I can have eternal life. I can have everlasting life. Now, if you're for watching this and you're saying, yo, that's, that's what I need. Please message something on Facebook. Let us know that you want to talk to someone. You know, in, I mean, direct message your phone number. Someone would call you. Don't let a day go by without making this decision to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you that Jesus came to earth as a man. Scripture says that he, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing and became a man and lived a life and died on a cross for our sins. And so, Lord, I pray that those who are watching this today, that if they don't have a relationship with you, that they will... Do whatever it takes to find someone to help them walk through. And they don't have to have somebody else walk through it, Lord. They can pray and ask you right now. Lord, I pray that whatever happens in their lives, that we can help them to understand that. We can help them to grow in that. And that, Lord, they will trust what they can't see because of the truth of who you are and who you said you are. 
We thank you that it's not just who you think you are, it's who you know you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we, we realize and understand that this is hard times for everyone. And whether it's you've accepted Christ and you want to talk to someone, you want to talk to someone about accepting Christ, or maybe you just have a need during this time. Maybe someone needs to bring you groceries or something. You just want to talk to someone. Please, you can either instant message or direct message on Facebook to our church site, or you can email elders at thisiscitychurch.org. Again, elders at thisiscitychurch.org. We would be glad to talk to you about anything, anytime. So please email us and we will get back with you on that. And then also, I just want to remind people that we have our city groups. We have five groups that meet. Actually, six groups that meet. We have on Sunday nights a group on parenting. Monday nights a group on the Gospel of Mark. Tuesday nights a group on the names of Jesus, which will go right along with our series. Wednesday nights a group on marriage. Thursday nights, if you want to join us this Thursday, we're going to be determining what we're doing next because we just finished a series. And then if you're a teenager, at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoons, we have Tenacity. So come join any of those groups. We'd love to have you. Thank you.